This week on Dads Worldwide, part two of our series on addictions, we speak with Michelle Dunn, founder of the AED Foundation, and she sits down with us, shares her story, and talks about supporting those in need in our community. Dads Worldwide. The first word in family management, family budgeting, insurance, bills, food, vacations, research and development, homework, emails, phone calls. Last week we tried to do an oil change and ended up with a new car. Security. Doors are locked. Windows shut. House alarm is set. Fingerless gloves. Dads worldwide. Loyal listeners, possibly you. Welcome to another episode of Dads Worldwide. I'm Brendan. I'm Jim. And today is part two of our two-part series. Yes. <laughs> see see what I Good. did there? Good. <laughs> see what I did there? Uh, today we have Michelle Dunn with us. And Michelle uh, is the founder of the AED Foundation. And uh, we're going to let her introduce herself and maybe tell your story and talk about the AED Foundation. Okay. Thank you. So my story is really more of a, my daughter's story, I guess you could say. Um, it's more about my daughter, Alyssa, and um, her substance use disorder and its effect on our family. So Alyssa was one of those kids who, you know, from the time she was little, she loved the feel of the wind in her face. Like she was just, if there was a challenge, she was up for it. She'd never shy away from anything like that. Um, she was a very rambunctious little girl. Um, she was busy. You know how they say in a family there's always one? Yeah. She was my one. Um, <laughs> she'd climb it. She'd try it. She had zero fear. Which What number was she? Number one. Oh, really? Yeah, which is very rare. Yeah, I was, yeah. was going to go for two. I was going to go for number two. Because that, yeah, that's you. my number two is yeah. like, he's all over the place. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah, no, my... And it's funny because I'm a firstborn too, and our birth order in my family is myself, and my brother is almost five years younger than me, and he was the one. And I was always the responsible one. And she was really interesting because while she was incredibly responsible, she was... She was just love that field. You know what I mean? Always looking for the thrill, the rush. Um, Whereas it's opposite with with my two kids. Like, she's like that. My son, not so much. I mean... You know, he's 21, so he's a little bit more um, outgoing and, right. and will try more things than he did when he was younger. But he was always my cautious one, more like myself. Okay. Um, so Alyssa, Alyssa was my one. And, you know, she was, she, I was really excited to be a mom. I kind of had no idea what I was doing in a lot of ways because I was young. I was 22 when she was born. I think we all, I, I don't <laughs> care. Like, as soon Jim is a dad for mm-hmm. the first time. At 40. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. 40 <laughs> over the hill. Um, so I think even at 40, you're kind of clueless. If you, you know what I mean? Like you have a kid, you've never had one before. This is, it's just new, right? So, yeah, but I being young, but being young, it, I can tell you, yeah, yeah, it is different. And I grew up babysitting my cousins yep. and my brother. Like I said, there's five years in between us. Oh, so, yeah, so you're yeah. right. I yeah. didn't, it's not that I didn't have experience, it's just different when they go home or you go home 
but this child is with totally you twenty four seven. You know, right. so yeah. Um, so yeah, so I was excited yet scared. Um, actually, Alyssa was born in Canada. I'm Canadian. Um, oh. I hold a valid green card. <laughs> what? Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Yep, I do. <laughs> so um, we moved here um, after she was born. And, um, you know, my husband's family's from Lunenburg. So, you know, right. we're really, you know, I wasn't so familiar with the area, but... Anyway, she was just, she was a busy, great little girl. Um, a lot of fun. Um, I learned a lot being her mom. Um, and, you know, she she definitely made me a better person through everything, through the ups, the downs. And, and it got really ugly um, as she got older and, you know, in, into her substance use disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, I was incredibly proud to be her mom. And I always wanted her to know that. So now um, both fathers of daughters, um, very new daughters. When does it start to get hairy? You can you can be honest with us. When does it when does it start to get crazy? <laughs> I don't know. Like she was kind of. Um, but she, if she was a free spirit, then it, it might have been. She was. Uh, yeah. yeah. But she was a princess, too. Like, oh, yeah. you know, she used to I can remember, you know, she was probably a couple years old and. Um, I have a picture of her and her father and he has like lipstick on and these clip on earrings. (laughs) Like he really, he loved being her dad. You know what I mean? Because she was his little girl. Um, It's kind of different with moms and daughters, I feel like. Um, Because I don't know, like, I guess I always kind of projected my experience or my lack of experience and how I thought she could be better, whereas her dad was just her dad. He didn't have any of those experiences, obviously. So he could see it very differently. And I feel like that way with my son, like I'm very, very close with my son, Um, especially when he was younger. But as he got older, like now he's 21, like he can drink beer with his dad and I don't drink Mm -hmm. beer. So like, there's all that stuff. But I mean, he's just, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. And you know, you'll always, especially as she, as your daughters get older, she'll always be your little girl. You know, that's what you see. Cause when I look at my son, I'm like, dude, I look at you like you're three years old holding a beer. Like this is not right. (laughs) It's crazy. It it really is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Alyssa, you know, she was smart. Um, we lived in Lunenburg until she was in third grade. And then we moved to Gardner because we outgrew our house. And um, she had a really hard time with that. She had a really hard time with change. Um, as much as she even loved... At, even at three years old, that was She was just... Tough. Well, when we moved, she would have been in third grade. Oh, so okay. starting I'm sorry. third grade. I'm sorry. Yep. I'm nope. sorry. Yep. Third so grade. she really um you know, she had her established group of friends there. Um and she Yeah, just, I can see that I can yeah, see that. Yeah. I, I didn't I thought because she was that kid who kind of rolled with everything and was I just didn't think it would be an issue, but it was a big issue. So much so that entire summer I remember having her friend Jillian at our house like for like a week Constantly. and then she'd go home and then she'd come back for a few days and Alyssa would go there. So we tried to make the, the transition as seamless as possible, but it was just really hard for her, you know, yeah. moving to a new yep. city and new school, new friends. And I think she really struggled with that for a while is, is being able to fit in. And I think that's harder for girls than it is for guys. Um, she wasn't incredibly athletic. Like she played soccer. Um, you know, we tried the basketball epic fail. 
you know, baseball, softball, actually, epic fail. You know, horseback riding, she was allergic to horses. Oh, no. So, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. we, we tried everything. And she kind of settled in um, with soccer and then with snowboarding. She was a really good snowboarder. Oh, nice. um, so, you know, she she ended up settling in, you know, found her core group of friends. And it was interesting because then in, it was about fifth grade that I noticed she started having some real interpersonal issues with girls again not crazy uncommon i mean girls are they can be mean oh yeah, yeah. um so we ended up um you know i can remember she you know she's like well i don't know one girl said some was nice to this girl's face but then behind her back to their other friends would say not nice things about her so Alyssa went and told her because she's like you know that's not right like she shouldn't be talking about her friend like that right you know, and I was like, I get it, honey, but like socially. Yeah, but now she's on the outs with everybody. Now she's yeah, on the yeah. outs with everybody. Yeah, and yeah. she really couldn't, she really missed that social piece. So I was really concerned about that. So we ended up, and she started acting out a little bit, but not like crazy. Still great grades, you know, was compliant in school. Teachers loved her. She was she was really a good kid. Um, but we did take her to be tested and she did test. Um, she had ADHD, but she had the inattentive type, which if you ever read any books on ADHD and girls, it manifests very different typically yeah. than it does with boys. So I was like, okay, so as I'm, I buy this book, I'm reading it and I'm like, and it talked a lot about drugs and alcohol, like substance use disorders. But I was like, yeah, but you know what? We're on top of things. Like we're involved in her life. Like we're, uh, we're, uh, we're an intact family. You know yep. what I mean? Like we're mm -hmm. both professionals. We're both educated. Um, so we should be good. Like right. we'll just keep keeping her involved and we'll keep engaging her, you know. Keep talking to her. Keep talking yeah, to yeah. her. Yeah. And it's funny you bring that up because out of my two, she was the least talker. Like she was the one that would tell me enough. She was so smart. Tell you enough that you'd back off. That I'd back off. Yeah. And my son, he he's like, well, and this. Open and I'm like, book. oh my gosh, like, I'm not sure your mom should <laughs> you, know that. You shouldn't tell me that. Just stop. <laughs> yeah. So true. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm yeah. like, mm, not sure I need to I know was, that. I was a sharer. Yeah. <laughs> Which a is sharer. great, yeah. though. Yeah. I mean, how's your relationship yeah. with your mom now? Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. 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 I mean, I always had a good relationship with both my parents. Yeah, um, that's good. Yeah. I um, But uh, yeah, with my mom, I mean, I, I in fact, my... I, I'm pretty sure my brother didn't tell me stuff because he didn't want my mom to know. <laughs> my <laughs> older brother. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's awesome. And, he, and at one point he said, well, I don't want mom to know. I'm like, I don't tell her everything. He gave me the, <laughs> the crooked head look. You know, and I'm like, yeah, you're, you're probably right. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. Well, he definitely would be the one that when she would have her friends over for like, we do a Christmas party every year. She'd have her guy and girlfriends over and, you know, she'd do things like, you know, bring a can or a gift to give to, you know, the CAC or something. She was yep. really good about that. Wow. Um, I would laugh because I'd send him down. I'd be like, hey, so why don't you go check out what's going on downstairs and let me know. And he'd mm -hmm. go down. And of course, all of her friends, her guy friends loved him because he was like Joe Jock from the time he was little, you right. know. Right. So they're like, hey, J-Mo, what's up? You know, so they, it, it was a really, it, it was good for him, but it made his sister crazy. Right. Um, so anyway, 
tested, decided that a stimulant wouldn't be a good option for her, not for any other reason except that she wasn't hyperactive. Um, she was just very inattentive. So we kind of let it go. We got her into therapy, which was an epic fail. She wouldn't talk to the person. I spent more time talking than she did. And then we ended up, um, you know, just kind of like trying to keep her engaged. Um, you know, I didn't have any problem with her doing her homework. She wasn't like a discipline problem at school. Mm -hmm. She kind of was a holy terror at, at home, like with stuff like that. She didn't like to listen. If you said no, she would say, so maybe I'm like, no, <laughs> I didn't say no. You know what I mean? She was always trying to work an angle. I yeah. felt like, um, I feel like that's an average teenager. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I right? think it I is. Mean, like, yeah. yeah. I and mean, that's someone that, I mean, I want to go to a party. No, you know, or maybe, or yeah, they're always trying to, Oh, I'll go ask dad. Oh, so true. Yeah. yeah. We set that standard pretty early that if one says no, the other one, you know, is not going to answer that question. And the question is then going to be, did you ask your mother? Did you, did ask, you ask your, your mother? Father? Did you ask yeah. your father? Yeah. So I got uh, a seven year old. He's already, yeah, he's already. They're good. Oh, I'm yeah. telling you, slick, manipulative little bastard. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, um, so anyway, she. Uh, it was probably I would say she was in about seventh grade, and she had another issue socially with her girlfriends. And I said, you know what? I went back to the doctor. I said, look, we got to do something. Like this is this isn't. She's now in a preteen. You know, she's preteen. Um, I, I'm I'm afraid for her. You know, the way that she's not picking up on some of these cues. So we ended up um, putting her on a non-stimulant drug called Stratera. And it was very helpful for her. Um, and she was on that till probably ninth grade. And then she said, you know what? I think I'm good. Like, I don't think, I don't think I need it. So she talked to our family doctor and, and explained all the reasons why. Mm -hmm. And he said, okay, well, let's give it a try. So, and it seemed to be okay, you know, um, but, you know, I, one of the times that I distinctly remember is her and her girlfriend coming home after a Gardner High football game. And we were the parents that when the kids in middle school went to the movies, I'd be like, okay, well, one of us has to come. And she was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. And I'm like, <laughs> well, here's the deal. Like, and, and if I presented everything as a safety issue, it worked really well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, look. I really don't care who you're holding hands with. I really don't care about any of that stuff. What I do care about is your safety. And if you're there with a bunch of young people and something goes sideways, like I want to be there to make sure that you're okay. And, and she was kind of like, oh, oh, okay. Like I can deal with that. So when she was probably sixth grade, we would go into the theater, get a ticket and sit, you know, somewhere totally different. Yeah. And then you know, seventh, eighth grade, then we would sit outside and wait. So as soon as she came out, we were right there. So, um, but this, this one particular time, her and her girlfriend, cause we always had kids at our house. Like we wanted to be that house, um, where kids could go hang out, be safe. We had our eyes on things. And, um, so she came home with her girlfriend from a Garner high football game. And I was like, Oh my gosh, they're drunk. <laughs> like so apparently, I mean, so mm -hmm. obvious. Yep. And, and, and was, how, what grade was it? Seventh grade? No, no, ninth. Ninth. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. So she was, um, so I was like, wow, like, 
what's going on with you guys? And they're like, no, what? Nothing. And they were, mm-hmm. you know, they were tripping over each other, trying to get their shoes off at the door. It, it was just, and at first I started in the mom talk, like, I can't believe you guys, you know, you've been drinking, haven't you? What are they going to say? Yeah. No. No, not us. Like, yeah. mom, what are yeah. you talking about? We don't mm-hmm. do that. So, so I'm like, look, go to bed and we'll have a conversation in the morning. Yep. Yeah. And that was probably the first time that I was like, wow. Um, okay, so I've got a teenager who's 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 going to try things yeah. that I may or may not have done myself, and am I really prepared for that? Like, I'm not sure. And yeah. how do you respond to that? Mm-hmm. Um, my first inclination was, you know, ground her for the rest of her life. Um, <laughs> That'll work. Yeah, that'll right? work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and then I quickly realized that that, in fact, wouldn't work. Would not. <laughs> um, and so we just. It's funny that. That's the first thing that comes. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. Like, it, but it's, it's not. It's, it's emotion. It's emotion. It's a protection. Yeah. A, a protective yeah. defense, I think. Well, I, it's an emotional response. Mm, yeah. You're angry. It mm-hmm. is. You're angry. You, you've taught them to not do these types of things mm-hmm. until they're older and mm-hmm. completely disobeying you, right? So that, I think there's a lot of frustration and anger. It's an emotional decision right. to be like, oh my God, you're grounded right. forever, you know? <laughs> but, yeah. And I think that there was a level of disappointment there too. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. where I was like... You didn't expect it from no. her. Yeah. I'm like, dude, like, yeah. what's going on? And, and, and again, you know... I talked about like how you want your kids to have a better experience in life than, than you did. Right. Right. So, um, anyway, so, you know, she was grounded and all kinds of stuff, but I really wasn't like, Oh my gosh, my kid's going to be an alcoholic. You know, it didn't even come into my mind. I was just like, okay, well, Clearly something's going on here. I'm going to keep an eye on it. And again, remember, she's the kid that doesn't tell me much. So I couldn't even, yeah, Yeah. I couldn't even have a like, like list, like what was going on? What were you thinking? Like there was none of those conversations with her. She wouldn't open up at all. No, she wouldn't. So yeah, she was tough like that. Um, Not even with her dad? No, no. She was, that was the other thing with her. She was so incredibly loyal. Like she would take the hit for somebody before she'd sell out. Wow. Like that kind of person, yeah. um, mm-hmm. which is, it's, it's admirable on some levels, on some levels. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But Absolutely. on some it's, it can be scary, yeah. you know? So anyway, um, you know, from there it really progressed. I, I, when she was a sophomore in high school, I knew that she had smoked weed. I didn't know how regularly it was. I just knew that she had tried it. And again, like I wasn't like, oh my gosh, my kid's going to end up an IV heroin user. Like just never even came into play. Just didn't. Why would you think that from, I mean, unfortunately, uh, alcohol use, marijuana use is quite common in in high school. Mm -hmm. That's common. Yeah. And uh, so why would you instantly think like, oh my God, they're right. going to abuse this constantly and then switch to yep. whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I didn't even know what heroin was. I mean, I was that kid in high school that, yeah, I drank. We didn't have weed, but we had other like hash and which is weed. But oh anyway. yeah. The hardest drug I tried in, in high school, I think was like Tylenol with codeine. So <laughs> yeah, like, know, I like, wasn't, yeah, I wasn't, yeah. I was pretty clueless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just, I had had knowing people and I had had been at parties where people like would snort coke and stuff and I was like oh no I'm really scared of like I was scared yeah Yeah. like that was me like oh my gosh and my parents find out they'll be so disappointed and kill me so anyway but 
So yeah, I wasn't super concerned. Um, I would say by junior year, she started to have some issues with teachers, which was rare for her. Um, she became kind of belligerent, quite frankly. Yeah. Oh, wow. And it was it was definitely a behavior change. But in some respects, I taught my kids to be strong advocates for themselves. Like, if you're not getting playing time, you talk to the coach. That's not my job to right. do that. You know what I mean? You want your kids to advocate. Speak for themselves. Absolutely. Yep. But there's a way they should be talking to adults, mm. right? Hey, Absolutely. Hey, coach, how do I get more playing time? Right. Hey, teacher, why did I get that grade? Yes. Right. And, and is there a way for me to... Yeah, I, I, I mean... Yeah, advocate for yourself, but yeah. respectfully, be, be, yeah, absolutely yeah. becoming belligerent with teachers. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. She had a couple of teachers that she really struggled with, but you know, again, her grades were good, um, and it honestly wasn't. I mean, she she had a boyfriend. Um, he was like National Honor Society, you know, good family, and all of our kids, all the parents knew each other. So like if she said, yeah, I'm staying at Chelsea's tonight, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to call Paula, double check, you know. So we did that because we, again, we were all teenagers. We're all teenagers. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I want to say that um, she was a senior, it was her senior year was 2010. And I started to notice some pretty significant changes in her behavior, like even more so like the, the teacher stuff seemed to kind of like fix itself. Um, but what I was noticing was she worked part-time as soon as my daughter was old enough to get a work permit at 14, she had a job. Um, mm -hmm. I worked in employment. I felt that that was a really good thing to instill in your kid is this is what life's about. Like she didn't work like 40 hours a week, but I mean, she yeah. had a little part-time job. She After had money. School. Yeah. yeah yep. Absolutely. And if you want a car and you want a cell phone, guess what? That comes with a price. Yep. So yeah, same thing with my family. If you want, if, if you want something, right. we don't have the money to buy it for you. And, uh, so, you know, for me, it was a cassette at the time, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know, that's and, great. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my, my parents like, well, we don't have the money to buy all this extra stuff right. for you. You know, like, you know, school clothes, you get a pair of jeans and a couple of shirts, yep. move along, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. And Jim and I were working, mm -hmm. I mean, I was shoveling walkways before. You yeah, know, I could get a work permit, but yeah, no, I, and I think that's great. I mean, so it was, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, did it at least mellow her out a little bit from there or, um, no, I mean, I think that she, she took work very responsibly, yeah. um, because in a lot of ways, like I said earlier, even though she was that one, she did have some firstborn tendencies with the responsibility. Yep. She complained oh, about good. it, but <laughs> she did it. Yeah. Um, but I was more noticing, you know, she was up really late at night and then she'd sleep it in the morning she'd be late for school like her be she just seemed really depressed so I thought you know what part of that's just being a senior in high school right like you don't know you're kind of you're excited about your future but you're kind of scared yep um it's overwhelming yeah it's overwhelming so I thought some of it might have been just stuff right that you go through in life and I didn't want to be a helicopter mom so you know but it didn't get really better for her. So I took it to a psychiatrist and I'm like, like, look, like this is what I'm seeing. Um, so they put her on Prozac, which seemed to help, but still there was a lot of those tendencies that I wasn't familiar with. So um, I want to say it was right before Christmas because my parents were coming down from Canada. And the other thing was she never had any money. 
Now, this was a kid who worked, like she worked in the courtesy booth at Market Basket in, yeah. in Fitchburg. So good with money, like to the dime, like so tight, like knew where her money went. And she all of a sudden was like, you know, she'd get paid on a Thursday and by Monday, she's like, I, I don't have any money for gas. And I'm like, well, how much was your check? Yeah. It's like, like $130. I'm like, so where did $130 go? She's like, well, you know, such and such borrowed some. And for a while, I kind of was like, oh, okay, well, maybe. But then it kind of became like, look, that's not right. I right. know those people. Mm -hmm. Like, you're yeah. this. They're this, borrowing it every week. Yeah, like. this is not adding up. So I ended up going to one of her friends and, um, you know, and her mom, who was close with Alyssa, and ended up finding out that she had been um, abusing Oxycontin. Oh. And I was like, what do, what do you mean? Like, what's Oxycontin? Like, I mm. had no idea. Um, you know, because one of those things is that, like, you know, they do all these things at the school. I mean, clearly this has changed since 2010, but way back then, like, they didn't give you signs and symptoms of opioid abuse. Like, they, no. like nope. it was like drinking, smoking weed, and that was pretty much pretty it. Pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah, but it's funny that you say that. Like, we got the D.A.R.E. program, but that's in, like, fifth or sixth grade. Right. They, okay. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to high school, which is where you come in contact with all of this crap. Mm -hmm. There's nothing. No. There's really no counseling whatsoever. There's no, yeah, there's no watch out for these signs. Right. Your friend may be in trouble or, you know, parents, hey, look for these signs. I mean... There's absolutely nothing like that. And I mean, it's it's great that they tell us and dare like, hey, you shouldn't do this stuff. But mm, or, I don't know. Just say no. Or does it <laughs> does it just identify all the drugs for us? <laughs> you know, I mean. Yeah, I really had a hard time with dare for a long time. They've changed a lot of their curriculum, which oh, is yeah, really good. good. Um, but yeah, like that's your like most people figured out what drugs street drugs look like through dare yep oh yeah i wouldn't have <laughs> known know? i wouldn't have known otherwise no. i remember they had that cook that that kit the, mm -hmm. with the they had everything listed and it yep. had all the the drugs in it i'm like yeah otherwise i i mean yeah until i went into law enforcement i would have no idea yeah no it definitely um i mean it's so different now like obviously with internet and all those things like you don't even have to do that kids know more now than than we even give them credit for i yeah. think you know what i mean um so we ended up i was like um okay well we well, i guess we gotta figure something out and i didn't know the extent of of her um use but i ended up finding out that it you know it she became very dependent very quickly um what i also didn't know is she had experienced a trauma that we had no idea about and i won't get into that but yep, it yep. definitely was something that had i known it, you know maybe things would have been different i think about that i think you know would her outcome have been different and then i think about it and i'm like you know what this was her journey it happened you and you, you yeah. can what you can what if it yeah. all you want but yeah yep no it's not, yeah so she did her first detox when she was like a week over 18. Um, you know, she went to Brattleboro Retreat, which was, you know, great, great program. And I can remember, first of all, they put her in the adolescent unit and she called that night like freaking out and talk about manipulation. Um, you know, I can't stay here. All these people are crazy. They're cutting themselves. They're doing all kinds of crazy crap. And, 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 
and I don't belong here. I'm I'm not crazy. I mean, I right. I'm I might be a drug addict, she would say, but I'm not straight crazy like that. So <laughs> like talk mm. about stigma. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but she was like, you know, I have one pillow, one blanket, you know, my bed's chained to the wall. So I said, look, go to like, we'll have a conversation with them. Cause she was always really good about signing, signing releases for us to speak with, you know, the professionals. Yeah. And we advocated for her to be in the adult, um, substance use disorder ward. And she did. And you know what? It really did make a difference for her because then they were, I don't know that they addressed so much the trauma or she even shared about any of that. Probably not knowing, probably not, yeah. knowing her yeah. the way that I, that I do. So anyway, um, but I can remember picking her up and it was probably about seven days later. And she was like, mom, like I was the youngest person in that, in that program. And I'm like, wow, well that should tell you something. Like mm -hmm. all these people are that much older and they're still coming into detoxes. So some food for thought, you know what I mean? But she was so upset by leaving like she was crying, like, I don't want to leave. Like these people get me. And I was like, what the heck are you talking about? Like, I'm thinking to myself, like, we're in, we're out, we're done. We're finishing our senior year in high school. But, yeah, but right. I'm your family. I get you too. Right. Yeah. 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 And it was yeah. just so like looking back, it was so telling, like I didn't understand her disease and I couldn't relate with her on that level because one, she was my child and two, because I I didn't know what I didn't know, right? So um that's hard for you to be impartial. It right, right? with is. that. I mean, yep. it's your kid. Yeah. You're like, oh, he told me she's doing well, you know. All right, let's go. Yeah, and I was yeah. like and in my head I was like, wait a minute, like you are not like all those other people in there. Like you were just abusing yeah. some you were snorting some pills like that person's been a drunkie for 30 years. Right. You're, that's not you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really it was at the time I thought it was like pure nonsense, but you know what? Knowing what I know now, she was absolutely right. Like she did feel like for the first time she fit in and people really did understand her where she was coming from. They've lived the same stuff. So yeah. anyway, um, you know, she went back, um, that night she picked back up. Um, oh, then we did the Suboxone route. You know, we, we did it all. She did graduate from high school. Um, she was accepted to all the universities she applied for. She wanted to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, she wanted to work with naughty kids, quote unquote, um, <laughs> because she did an intern at the middle school. Um, Chris Cassavant was a principal there who was yep. yeah. probably one of, was the most helpful human beings at that time. Um, I can't say enough about him. And, you know, so the kids would get sent down to the office for being belligerent or not listening or whatever the case might be. And she would work with them in the office. And I was like, this is kind of funny, actually. But um, but she wanted to do that. So she decided that she would go to Framingham State. Um, they had a really good education program. So she started off. And in my head, I'm like, this is an epic fail of about mm, $12,000. And my husband's like, no, like, we have to give her this opportunity. And I'm like, well, I think the money might be better spent in a treatment program. And oh, so you were thinking that already. Oh, like, my gosh. You, like, yeah. So you knew that she yeah. was still using it. Yeah. Oh, man. It was up and down. Like, we'd send her to Canada to stay with my parents. She'd do good for a while. Then she'd come back and she'd be off and running again. You know, and it was really, really hard because I spent a lot of time being really angry with her. I, like, a lot of anger. Like, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. Like, we did 
everything, so to speak, right. Like what in the actual hell's going on here? Like, like you're from a good family. You have had everything provided for you. Um, smart. She scored advance on the, um, the MCAS testing. So she got the John and Abigail Adams award, like bright, really bright. And, um, I can understand it. You feel like she's choosing those drugs right. over you, your absolutely. family. I mean, like, absolutely. I, I can absolutely understand that. The yep. frustration. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot there. And, and I, and you're so right when you say in my head, she yeah. was choosing she that was choosing over that, that yeah. Yeah. over us. Yeah. And, you know, obviously as time went on, I realized that that's not the case at all, but, yeah. um, you know, you talk about do overs and change things, you know, again, you know, education's really the key, right? So, um, so anyway, she went there for about a month and a half and she came home one weekend and that was it. She was off and running. We were back to detox. We were, it was a lot. We did this cycle for a while. Um, but how how many detoxes did she go through? She went through five. Um, her third one was at McLean hospital. And at that point I said, you know what? I have a young child at home. You know, he's, what, like probably 11, 12. Um, and you can't, home's not an option anymore. Like we will support you in whatever program you want to go to, but you just can't live at home. Mm -hmm. You have to have some time because she had stolen. I mean, stolen everything in our house that was worth value. Um, you know, it was bad. It was, it got really ugly, really quickly lost her job. Um, and you really like looking back, you can see how it was, you know, the progression. progression and then yeah. all of a sudden it was like somebody put their foot on the accelerator and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, so she didn't come home. She w- she was shocked by that, you know, and I was the worst mother in the world. And I'll spare you, you know, obviously all the colorful <laughs> the things slice. she said about <laughs> yeah. me. Um, but she did. She went to a place called Webster Place in um, New Hampshire. It was a private pay recovery center. And, you know, f- it was great. You know, she did really well for about three weeks and then her and like eight other people picked up at the time K2 spice was sold mm-hmm. at like, oh, like convenience. Yeah, yeah. Right. So she's you like, mom, <clears throat> can you stop? I need to grab butts and yeah. K2. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know. It's okay. Like synthetic yeah. marijuana. Or yeah. Whatever. Yeah. That's awful. So they all got kicked out because it was contraband and they're like, yep, y'all gotta go. So, um, so she came home um, yeah, actually she didn't come home because I wouldn't let her come home. She went and stayed with some friends and she kind of couch surfed for a while. And I'm like, look, whenever you're ready to get, to get serious about this, like we'll send you wherever, but, um, I'm not, Still not coming yeah, home. not yeah. coming home. You yeah. can't come home, which was really, really hard because my husband wanted her to be home and I didn't. And not because I, not because I didn't love her, but I knew she wasn't getting well at home. And what were we doing at home? We were enabling her. We were Mm -hmm. giving her a warm bed, food, you know, and all these things. And at this time she wasn't an IV heroin user either. Like she was still doing the perk. Well, by this time was Percocet and she was smoking them. But I was like, yeah, I, I, I mean, every time you come in our house, something goes missing. Like I sleep with my wallet underneath my, my pillow oh and, my you know, God. now we have a safe and this is, this is insanity. Yeah. So, you know, and the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and, and over. Expecting a different result. And expecting yeah. a different result. So 
I, we almost separated over all that. You know, I was like, here's the deal. So I'm going to take Jameson and I'm going to get an apartment because I can afford to support myself. You guys can have the house. You can figure this out on your own. I just can't have him be part of it. He's so traumatized at this point. Um, it's not fair for him. He doesn't get a say in all this, you know? Right. That's a very influential time. 11, oh my gosh. 11, 12, 13, yeah. 14 years old. And then you're watching your sister go through this type of thing. And it was horrendous. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, now, um, did he talk to anyone? He did. So he, um, at the middle school, um, again, he's my talker, right? So, yeah. um, they had somebody from Ewink come in who would talk with him, um, you know, pull him out of class, which I wasn't really a fan about, but it, it seemed to work. And mm-hmm. as long as he had an outlet, that was my thing. Plus he was like hardcore basketball. Like he oh, played good. AAU. He played on the middle school team. Like he, he had something to dedicate he his had, time right. to. And yeah, yep. that's good. And he had that's a good, good group of friends whose families were really, really good to him and to us, like keeping him, like if there was stuff going on, they'd say, just drop him off, you know? So we were really blessed with that. But there were some very, very, very ugly times and things that, you know, um, he never should have seen as, as a kid. And yeah, it is, it's, it's really tough. Um, but she, she went and did her thing and then she decided that she would, um, go back to treatment. But by this time we had an insurance change. So she had to go to ag care, which she was not happy about. Now what's ag care? Um, so it's, it's a program in Worcester, but, um, compared to being at McLean and Brattleboro Retreat. All the really, really nice yeah, places. Yeah, yeah. So she was a member of Princess. So yeah. she's like, I'm not going there. They they detox you with methadone. And I'm like, and that's different from what you're doing. How? Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, it's so funny, so, the stigma so then, they have. So then don't take it. Like, I don't know what to take. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So um, she went there and she actually called herself, like, no force. Because I can remember, like, this is terrible at the time, but, you know, like giving her 20 bucks so she could go grab a pill so I wouldn't have to fight with her on the entire way to the detox. So she would be at least subdued and, you know, like I could get her there. Tried it the other way and it was like, it was, it was terrible. So, um, you know, and, and the system's, I mean, it's better than it was, but it's still so broken, you yeah. know, I mean... But anyway, that's another whole story. Yeah, um, that's a, that's the next hour, right? Yeah, 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 it's yeah. so true. Yeah. So, yeah. so she ended up um, of her own accord calling Ag Care. Um, my husband took her there, and she was there for um, I don't know, like I want to say it was. She advocated strongly for herself, um, so maybe about twelve or fourteen days, and then she called the cent- the recovery program that she was expelled from. Cause they said, if you come back, like you have another week, like we'll take you back. Um, and we agreed to pay, um, for, you know, whatever else. And, um, she did that all on her own, which was really encouraging because I'm like, Oh, maybe she's she's getting it. Yeah, Yeah. Maybe. Because I kind of been like, look, here's the thing. I can't do this anymore. Like I love you more than I love myself, but I have another child. I have to take care of me. Like, you become so codependent on your sick loved one. It's it's so unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just start shifting my thought process somewhat. Um, so she she ended up going back and she ended up doing really well for a while. You know, she was probably there over sixty some days. Anytime she had a weekend off, 
costs us an arm and a leg, but you know, we'd take her somewhere. We'd never let her come back here. So we'd spend yeah. the weekend with her at Hampton Beach keep or her, keep her out of her known yeah, environment. Exactly. Yeah. So we did that. She did great. She moved into um, you know, a um like a sober housing situation that was brand new, so it probably wasn't the best idea, but um I knew the people that were running it and they were solid people, a lot of respect for them. And she stayed there for probably about six weeks. And what I didn't know is that when she had gone on her last run is that somebody had introduced her to heroin. Um, And, you know, it kind of went on from there. And she did, um, she lived in her own apartment. We paid for that for a little while. She worked. Um, We gave her her car back. She seemed to be doing pretty, pretty well. Um, And then she came back at Thanksgiving and I was doing her laundry and I found, you know, burnt tin foil all rolled up. And I'm uh, like, Les, what's going on? Like, cause she did, she looked healthy. Like she yeah, didn't look yeah. bad. So, so she was functional. Basically. She was functional. Yeah. And she mustn't have been, she must've just started, yeah. you know what I mean? To, to get back into it a little bit. Um, and think that she could occasionally use, I don't know. But anyway, she's like, mom, you know, those jeans are old. They didn't fit me for a while. So, and I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Okay. They were in your pocket. You didn't clean them out. Right. Um, but in fact, she had relapsed and was afraid to tell us. And, you know, so coming into Christmas season again, again, my parents are here. She's supposed to be here on Christmas. She doesn't show up. So it, it, it was, it was tough. You know, it, it was a tough way to live. Now, how old is she at this point? So she is just 19. Wow. So, you know, it's amazing that within a short amount of time, like we found out when she was almost 18. Almost 18. And yeah, and she ended up dying when she was 20. So it was, you know, not a long run for her. And she had been in a, you say five rehab, rehab cycles. Well, five detoxes. detoxes. And then she went to a recovery home um, the third time. And the very last time she ended up going back into a detox back to ag care. And then she went to um, a TSS. They kept her because that was the other thing. She's like, my parents pay all this money for my insurance, but you mass health people can stay for 14 days and I get like six. I don't think so. So she, again, she was just, she was always advocate. And and that made me really proud when she would tell me, you know, the things that she did. Um, I'm sure using very colorful um, language. um, (laughs) Did you teach her that? No, (laughs) like honest to God, like, and what's funny is that she hated cigarette smoke and it wasn't until she started smoking pills that she started smoking Smoking cigarettes. cigarettes. Wow. Yeah, like, I mean, she was probably 18 or 19. Um, So anyway, I think that, you know, that last time she left um, and we said, you're you're still not coming home. Like once you have a year, you're welcome to come home. We love you. Like it's not about that, but we're going to have to love you from afar. Um, So she moved in with a friend that she had met um, in her, in the private pay program, Um, most of the people that went to those programs had money, you know what I mean? And he was a fair amount older. I didn't realize how much older he was, but she lived with him for, um, that was from January until she died in May. So, you know, she stayed with him. Um, she worked at a little convenience store up in Wolfborn, New Hampshire. Um, you know, so we saw her, you know, but I was like, you know, every time the phone would ring, you know, all the hairs on my back would go uh, up because I'm like, oh, gosh, I'd look at the ID and it'd say, Alyssa, I'm like, oh, here we go. Like, is it going to be money? Somebody saw my wallet. You know, there was always an angle. And, you know, 
it was really hard because I think at one point I'd even said to her, you know what, Alyssa, I just feel like a relationship is so toxic. Like you're not helping me and I'm not helping you. Like maybe we shouldn't talk for a little while. And she was like, what kind of mother says that to her kid? And I'm like a mother who doesn't know what else to do at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I don't know what to do. I feel Mm -hmm. like I've done everything I could, you know, maybe not right. Um, but there's no manual for that. But it's not like those feelings are not based in some type of fact, right? The fact that she stole money from you, she stole things from you. She's, um, you're trying to help her, but it doesn't seem like it's working. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what, yeah, I don't, yeah. What do you do? Yeah. It's, it was tough. I, in 2012, I ended up going to Bowdoin college and doing a, um, recovery coach Academy. Um, people were starting to talk about recovery, um, recovery coaching and like the, um, William White, who kind of is the godfather of that. And I thought, oh, well, I'm going to go to this and I'm going to be my daughter's recovery coach. Seems logical to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not so much. Um, so I did do that and it was really helpful. And I was one of probably three people in a class of 20 ish that wasn't a person in recovery from substance use disorder. So, wow. yeah, so they were incredibly helpful to me. And, you know, I, you know, they would say things like, you know, don't hurt her. If you can't say anything, you know, good, like don't say something that's going to hurt her even more. And what I didn't understand was the amount of shame and guilt and self-loathing that people that are actively using have. Um, and I did think it was a choice and I thought that for a long time Mm -hmm. and I don't see that now. I mean, I see it very differently. Alyssa ended up, um, to kind of wrap up her piece of that story is that she ended up coming home. We, we stayed in contact. Like I got for her birthday, she came home. We went to the ale house. Probably the best pictures of her and her brother because he was really good about it. As he got older, he was like, Mom, she's just sick. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, just sick. She stole everything. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> she's like milking me dry. I have, I'm going to need a second job to support her, you know? Um, it's, and, it's interesting that he saw her as sick oh, and you initially saw her as making these choices. Yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely. It was really, mm-hmm. really interesting. Like, he he handled a lot of things so much better than, than I definitely did. And, you know, maybe even her dad did, but, um, she ended up coming home. Dave had knee surgery the beginning of May and Jameson was running cross country. So she came home and I believe God gives you things. Um, I'm a strong person of faith and she came home and I said to her, you can come home and help out because Dave was laid up. He had his meniscus done. I said, and you just can't be using. And, and the other thing I learned is to stop asking questions. I didn't want answers to because she was going to lie to me. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, Yeah. you know, you're not going to get a truthful answer. So why bother? Yep. So I said, here's the deal. You're welcome to come home. You're welcome to stay overnight. We'd love to have you but you can't be using drugs in my house, Alyssa. It just can't happen. She's like, I know, Mom, I know. And I said, okay, well, as long as we're on the same page, you can come. So she came. Honest to God, it was the best, like, two days, two nights that we had had, and I can't even tell you how long. Um, Her and I were both avid 
Canadians fans. So the, <laughs> <laughs> so, so the Canadians were playing the Bruins. And oh, yeah, man. so we were all about oh, that, you know. Yeah. Um, but it really was. It was great. And I can remember at the end of her stay when she had to go back because she had to work. Um, I'll never forget it. It was in the pouring rain at the, I believe it's mobile. That's right beside Speedway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned to obviously never give her money if I bought her something, rip the tags off, all that stuff. And I said, well, I'll fill your gas tank up. So we went and it was pouring rain. So I go in, I pay, we pump. She's, and I said, you just stay in because it's really wet. And before she left, um, she wound down her window and I said, okay, well, make sure you text me or call me when you get back. So I make sure you got there. Okay. She's like, okay. She's like, I love you, mama. I said, I love you too. I gave her a hug and a kiss and I left. And literally that was the last conversation I had had with my daughter alive. You know what I mean? So I believe that that was a gift because I couldn't obviously see what was coming like two weeks later, but I believe that that was a gift because it was such what a great oh what my a great, gosh yeah. like so good and i sent her a text and i i said to her you know what Alyssa, this was the best visit we've had and i can't even remember how long so thank you there was no arguing there yeah. was no fighting there was no nothing she didn't ask for money she did like she stayed in the house at the house um and then it was may 18th um, and that was probably May 4th, 5th and 6th. Yeah. Because she was sending me these weird texts, like may the fourth be with you and like, you know, like little <laughs> funny yeah, gifts and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so in Cinco de Mayo and there was like mayonnaise in a sink yeah. and she had a really good sense of humor. Yeah. And, um, we got home from being out to eat and, you know, there was a message on the machine from the Wolfboro police department, um, to give them a call. And my husband's like, dude, I, I can't call. Because mm-hmm. you know what? You kind of always prepare for this. Like, I knew she was either going to get... Prepare for the worst, hope for the best. Right. Like, yeah. I knew that yeah. she was either going to get well, end up in jail, or end up dead. Like, those were really the three options. Yeah. Um, I tended to think that she was going to get well because she had such a strong will that I figured, yeah, this kid's going to kick it. Like, there's no two ways about it. She just yeah. got to grow up, give it a, you know. Um, so anyway, um, you know, I call back. They said there'd been an accident um, and she was transported to the Wolfboro um, Hospital. And I was like, okay, like, so should I, should we come? Like, like what are you telling me? Right. And they, they said- They told you over the phone? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I had to call the the um, the emergency department and ask for the ER doctor. Yeah. Who then told me that you know they had found her unresponsive. They had to intubate her, um, and that they believe it was a drug overdose. And I was like, "Wait, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, it was just, it was so surreal." Um, so I was like, "Oh, okay. So should should we come now? Like, I mean, Wolfboro is like two and a half hours away. Yeah, it's a drive. Yeah." yeah. Um, and he said, well, actually, we're going to be airlifting her to Dartmouth-Hitchcock, so you might want to go there, because that's where she's going to need care. And I'm like, okay, so that's what we did. You know, we we showed up before she did. Um, they wouldn't let us see her for hours. Um, and it was terrible. You know, there's just no other way to describe it. You know, you go in, your kid's hooked up to like 20 machines. Um, you know, she's not breathing on her own. She's intubated. And, the you know, the, in the IC. 
uh, you, the doctor came over and said, you know, we've done a brain scan. I'll never forget it because she was this, um, it's, it's kind of ironic actually, but, um, Alyssa had a thing about Asian people. I'm really not sure why, like she just did. Um, not a huge fan. And like, I'm not oh, sure oh, why. Like she didn't like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, I don't know why she would tell me all these stories about working a market basket. So anyway, she had a thing about that. The doctor was Asian. <laughs> And she came in and she had a laptop and she's showing, you know, Dave and I, and she's like, she's brain dead. Like she was, she was like, didn't mix words, had zero like feeling, feeling it was so bad. (laughs) And I'm looking at her and I'm like, how do you know that? Like, you don't know. I mean, her brain, I mean, obviously experienced trauma, but like, right. Like, I'm not really sure. And, you know, this is our, this is our daughter and dude, she's 20. Like, Mm -hmm. what are you telling me? So anyway, um, we asked not to have that doctor. We were like, yeah, we're good with her. Um, you sent someone in. Yeah. Send somebody else. You know, she was very blunt and, and I get it. You know, that's her job. She was a resident of some sort. And, um, but anyway, my husband's like, you know, get on the phone, Google, whatever. And he's like, you know what? We're waiting 72 hours because people that have lost oxygen to their brain, yep. um, you know, they might come around after 72 hours, but that's kind of like the, the time. The frame. magic time. Yeah. 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 So we did. So for, you know, three days, she went in on the 18th. Um, you know, we went, we didn't leave. Um, you know, her friends came. Um, she had a thing about her eyebrows, like, she always like crapped on people's lives if their eyebrows weren't right. Like they had to be just perfect. So <laughs> I, pl- yeah, she was bad. Uh, plucked her eyebrows, you know, mm-hmm. braided her hair. Um, you know, the nurse helped me do a dry wash. Cause I'm like, dude, when people come in, if she looks like she's, you know, it's, it's weird what you think about, but I'm thinking like, what would she want? Yeah. Um, and honestly, that also was a gift. Like it was a gift that one, she didn't overdose in my house and my son found her Two, you know what? We had three days where we could spend that time. Her friends could come in and say, you know, goodbye. I knew it wasn't going to change around. My husband will go in, he'd play country music. Like he would talk to her like she could hear him. Like, you know, looking back, it's, it's, it's so sad. But at the time, it was like, wow, like, we are so lucky to have this time. And on the third day, she was an organ donor, too. So on the third day, they're like, look, we just did a brain scan. There's no blood getting to her brain. Um, You guys need to make a decision. So we had to make that decision, you know, and um, hardest decision in my life, you know, but but we know. And I mean, medically, we knew that there was no viable you know, she, she, her heart was working yeah, and she was on machines and a, a machine was breathing for her. So, you know, we had to make that difficult decision, but, um, you know, so Alyssa, I say, you know, found her eternal sobriety on May 21st. Um, my birthday is May 22nd. So yeah, I, you know, it was, and I'm like, you, I can't even believe this. It's <laughs> my birthday too. Right. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? So no, but you know what? We've been, we were blessed, you know, to have her for 20 years. Um, you know, it's hard. It's hard every day. Like people think that there's like a, a, a amount of time that you should grieve and then get over it. Right. Like, well, you, she's been gone six and a I, half years. I think people that think that haven't really lost someone that's really close to them. And if, if, 
if they do lose someone that's that close to them and they still think that, then I don't, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. How, I don't know how you think. Lost my father last year, day before my birthday. Mm. And you never know what's going to happen. You right. know, you're, you're, I mean, granted, it's only been, uh, it's only been a little over a year, but you know, you're just, I'm, I, I, I do a lot of driving, but you know, I'll, I'll pass by a place or a smell or, or yeah. you know, something will bring back a, shoot back a memory, Sure. you know? Yeah. And, and I don't know. I hope I don't ever lose that. I know. You know, it is, you know, I lost my dad very unexpectedly two years ago too. And he lived in Canada, but yeah. there's just not anything that could even remotely, I mean, as close as I am to my family, yeah. like even if something happened to my husband, I'd be devastated, but, but it's your child. Your like, child that's what I'm saying. That's how I feel so, about, that's how yeah. I feel about my father. Sorry. Yeah. I didn't make that clear. That's no, how I feel no. about my father. No. But like, I, I, I can't even imagine yeah. one of my kids. Like, I, I mean, that to me is, I love my dad. Yeah. I, I love of course. him very much. Yeah. But yeah, I can't imagine like that yeah. would rip my soul apart. Yeah. You know, you know, yeah. it, and some people, like I said, some people feel like, you know, everybody grieves very differently. Um, you know, I took three weeks off from the time she went in the hospital until the time I went back to work. My husband took three months off. Yeah. Like for me, I knew how to work. I was good at my job, I felt. So I'm going to go and do what I know how to do. And and for me, that worked. For him, taking that time off really worked for him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone's different. Oh, yeah. Everyone is We're different. We're all very different. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, then we kind of decided in the hospital that we would... Like, this can't be in vain. Like, we're not going to be silent about this. Like, if it can happen to our family, it can happen to anybody's family. Um, so we probably, I would say, so that was May of 13. Um, that November, met with some of my girlfriends and, you know, we're like, we're, we're going we're gonna to start a foundation. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what we did. We started the AED Foundation the following year in 2014. And... Um, it stands, it's Alyssa's initials, Alyssa Elizabeth Dunn, but it stands for Assist, Educate, and Defeat. So our whole mission is to assist individuals and their families, um, educate the community on the, you know, the disease of substance use disorders, and try and defeat stigma because, again, stigma is so alive and well with people that have substance use disorders or any sort of, you know, mental health condition. Um, you know, we don't really understand the vocabulary we use until we become sensitive to those things. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, you, you, mm -hmm. oh, that's a, so, uh, we're doing this as a two part and part one, uh, our friend came in and she's saying a bunch of words and I'm like, are right, you gonna have to explain that? You're gonna yeah. have to explain that. I, I don't know half this stuff. Right. You know, yep. this is, a, and I think a lot of people are that way. Yeah. If they haven't dealt with it, they're not going to know. They're not going to know the vocabulary. You're right. And you know, I, you know, I, I would like to say that I, that substance use disorders would be eradicated. Like they would find like some magic gene that you could alter or something. Um, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, that's probably not going to happen. I mean, we're really more informed about opioid use, you know, heroin, fentanyl, you know, Percocet, oxycodone. But, I mean, people forget that, you know, the biggest addiction is nicotine. 
you know, and then, <laughs> and then alcohol. I mean, kills it's, more, <laughs> nicotine kills more people than anything. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Crazy. But people don't see it like that. Nah. See, but I mean, if you think about but it, it's legal. Oh my gosh. Because it's legal. Of course. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. so yeah. So knowing that we can't do that, we just try and educate. And so the foundation is mm-hmm. to educate. That's, the, that's your goal uh, as far or is there well, more to it? No, I mean, one of the goals is to assist individuals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, from, from that, from trying to assist individuals and their family, we opened a peer recovery center um, called Alyssa's Place. It's right downtown in Gardner. Oh, awesome. um, yeah, it is awesome. And so that is for peers and any family member that's either in recovery needs a safe place, still actively using needs a detox. Or, you know, their family members like, look, I found this burnt spoon. I'm really not sure what that means, you know, or what do I do? What do I do? do? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So it, um, so we opened that in 2015. Um, so that's a huge piece of it, but thank God we just got funded through the state. Um, we partnered with Gamma, who's actually my employer. (laughs) Um, and we partnered with them to be the agent, like the vendor, and they subcontracted to the foundation and we oversee everything. So I just hired a program director, which mm-hmm. I'm really excited about because for all this time, it's been me and um, Sean Hayden. He's the COO of Gamma, but he's on my board of directors. And then just people in the community um, been helping have out been and, so helpful. Yeah. And you know, just when I think, oh, geez, we're going to have to close the doors because it's, ex- you know, it's this much money and it's yeah. too much and people aren't volunteering, something happens. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so it's supposed to be kept open. But um, so we got funded for that. So the money that we fundraise, we have a big dance every March, now can go towards helping people in early recovery. So what that looks like is that somebody who's going in, um, you know, they're coming out of a detox or clinical stabilization and they want to go to a sober house or they're going back home and they don't have any money for work boots because, you know, they've, they've strapped their family cash wise and, you know, whatever. Um, so we're able to provide scholarships, um, to people that are in early recovery or not even early recovery, like somebody who's in recovery, um, for, uh, rent. Um, you know, obviously we don't give anybody money, but you know, we'll, we'll pay pay, it to the landlord. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) or, you know, they might need medication and their insurance hasn't kicked in or, uh, it could be anything, but you know, our goal is to help people in recovery. So now, um, we're able to do that. So instead of all of our money for the most part going towards, um, keeping the lights on, you know, now we have state funding for that. So we can use our money to give back to people that really need assistance. Oh, that's assistance. really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a it, huge help. It is a huge help. And, you know, we did, we adopted three families um, for Christmas and um, all three are in recovery, you know, and, and are working, you know, minimum wage jobs, you know, have four kids, you know, so there's something to be said. And we, I mean, we don't talk a lot about what we do because that's not about who we are. Like we we just kind of fly under the radar for the, yeah. or we hope we do. Yeah. Um, um, but in order to get more funding, more money right. for the stuff yeah. that you want to do, you have to talk about I it. I know, <laughs> I know. A good friend of mine, Veronica Patty, she's, she did this fundraiser a couple years ago. And she was like, it was like photography for women. It was like women, International Women's Day. And she's like, mm-hmm. you know, it was donations. She's like, you need to be asking people 
for money. And I'm like, dude, I don't do that. Like, yeah. I'm not comfortable asking people I, for I, things. I'm with you. I'm the same way. I mean, uh, the, uh, I've had employers like hand me a sheet of piece of paper and tell me like, oh, why do you think you deserve a raise or something like that? And it's like. Uh, well, uh, 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 it's the same type of thing. Right. You're trying to self-promote, you know, you're, but except you're promoting for, for right. this worthy cause. Right. I mean, it's, a, I think it comes next cause Veronica and I worked together yes. at the Y, you know, so I think that asking people for money comes very naturally. That's something yeah. that is, yeah. uh, was a big part of our job on a day-to-day basis working in a nonprofit. Yeah. That's annual right. campaign. Yeah, you're always you're always like hey, sponsorships. What do you do? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I struggle. And it's funny because people, she's always like, Michelle, you're not asking for money for yourself. And right. I'm like, right. I know I'm not, but yeah. I don't feel comfortable doing that. It's just a it's just a thing for me. So I'd like you to just touch on because we talked a little bit about uh in the in the very beginning, you know, you you mentioned you thought Alyssa was making these choices. Hmm. And so it around the whole opioid addiction epidemic that's happening there's a lot of buzzwords and uh just i don't know if you can just touch on some of these uh stigma mm-hmm. uh choices mm-hmm. and disease i think three that tend to yep. come up so i don't know if you want to speak to that a little bit sure so for you know addiction is um a cro- it's it's been found in the dsm which is a diagnostic manual yep. um that people that are in psychiatry or um social you know, work therapy type thing, um, use for diagnoses. And, you know, so basically what it is, is, um, it's a chronic brain disorder. You know, the thing is when you start using a substance, um, like opioids, Mm -hmm. um, it changes the way that your like your brain literally rewires itself. Um, so that the things that brought you pleasure, you know, don't bring you pleasure anymore. So when you stop, a lot of people not really the, struggle, not, not, right? Not to the level that no. that, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, and I was reading a study that, that that's what it said. The dopamine receptors oh. were just like, like basically rewired to the Absolutely. point where your brain's like, got to have that right. right there. That's it. That's all. Right. That's what you need to do. Because if you think about it, what rational person would choose that? for their life, right? you know, that their family walks away from them, um, you know, the chance that they could die at any given time, they don't know what they're buying. I mean, it defies logic, right? you know, so yeah. I, I just think from a different perspective, like someone looking in, they see that, you know, um, someone has to, um, they, they have to make that choice, right? They have, they're sitting on their couch, they're like, all right, I'm gonna go get high, mm-hmm. right? They have to get in their car. They have to drive to someone's house. Mm-hmm. They have to, or, or find the money and then drive to that right. person's house and then buy that and mm-hmm. then go back, depending on how they're doing it, smoking, you know, shooting up. Yep. They've got to prepare it, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so I can see where someone thinks, well, this is a choice. I, you know what I mean? I do. So, I do. Uh, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Oh yeah, so, no, so, no, no. I, like, I get it. Like I, I, I can see where that, they ha- you have to go through so many steps to get to that mm-hmm. actually using part that I can see where someone still thinks that that's a choice for someone. Well, and I think initially you make a choice. I think initially, you make initially, a choice. Sure, you, for sure. Very yeah. quickly, yeah. the obsession yeah. is there. And, mm-hmm. and I think that, you know, it's kind of like somebody who has type 2 diabetes. So you go to the doctor, you're 150 pounds overweight. 
you're 150 pounds overweight. Why? Because you choose not to exercise. Mm -hmm. You choose to eat donuts. You're eating garbage. You choose to go through the McDonald's (laughs) drive-thru every day. You eat a pizza every Friday night. Like, you know what I mean? And yes, you can go to the doctor and they don't say, oh, well, you're a fat, you know what? Mm -hmm. Like, Like, you don't deserve to get, you know, insulin or whatever the case might be. I think we... A lot of people that think like that, like, think about how much work has to go into that. I mean, it's almost like, you know, for an opioid, uh, a person who has an opioid use disorder, the thing is, is that if they don't use, they get sick. So the withdrawal symptoms are like the worst case of the flu oh, yeah. you've ever had from what I even see my daughter go yeah. through. Times 10. Time, yeah. Times 10. Yeah. Like you're not probably going to die from it, but you want to die from it. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, and, and nowadays, like there is no heroin. It's all fentanyl. Um, yeah. And, you know, that that it, it's just scary. And I, I find it so hard to believe that, you know, that people willingly give up all those things in their life. Yeah. Because they choose to get high. I mean, I just, I don't believe that. I think it, you know, people are going to disagree and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but until it hits your family, until yeah. you see your child go through it yeah. or your loved one, you can have whatever pin- opinion you want, but just don't be like pushing it on. Other, yeah, yeah. Don't other be people. rude and don't be mean and don't be like so stigmatizing stigma you know people there's 23 million people in america that are in recovery 23 million yeah and 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 there's so many more that don't get help because they're like well i don't want my employer to know i'll lose my job my family will find out they'll desert me you know there's so many things involved and again we're not talking just about opioids i mean that's obviously been the epidemic but I mean, now a big thing is methamphetamine. Mm-hmm. You know, crystal meth is huge coming in this area. You know, you're talking about benzos. You're, it's, it's all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, the disease thing, um, you know, I can remember thinking, you know, that Alyssa's hustle had to be, you know, from the time she woke up till the time she went to bed, figuring out how not to get sick. It wasn't even, she said to me at at one point, she goes, mom, I don't even get high. I just don't get sick. I'm like, oh. It's awful. It is awful, you know, and people are going to have their opinions and that's okay. You just don't have to be hateful and mean um, and use stigmatizing words like junkies, drug addicts. I mean, if my kid called herself a drug addict, that's her choice. I'm I'm not going to refer to her as that. You know, um, I think that, you know, there's a lot... A lot of really good recovery um, vocabulary that people need to learn. Um, And I think when we stop degrading people um, and making them feel less than, you know, maybe they'll come around. Like people talk like about safe injection sites and I'm not even going to go down that road. (laughs) But what I'm saying is that, you know what? If you treat people with compassion and empathy and like they're human, no matter if they're homeless they have a substance use disorder, um, whatever the case might be, they have a mental illness, what, whatever. Um, I see that people eventually will trust you, you'll build a relationship. And maybe if they weren't ready, maybe at some point they will be ready. And here's at the end of the day, if they, God forbid, overdose and die, at least you treated them with kindness and respect. And I think that's just a natural human, you should have respect for people. 
uh, I can see where junkie is definitely. It's an incredibly, uh, offensive incredibly word. offensive. I never looked at it as like a drug addict. I ne- and I'm not saying it's not. No, no. Okay. But I never said, I never thought like drug addict it, as a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. Um, I always just thought, well, I mean, they, they're addicted to drugs like that's, you know, but I, I can understand where that that can be kind of right. um, taken at, at a negative. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think yeah. if you look about it, like you don't call what would you call somebody who does who has a, you know, high blood pressure condition or type two diet? I mean, you don't have a name for them. Well, you're not running around calling them fatty. Right. Or something like so, that, right? I, mean, I mean, you have to think of it in terms of that. And for me, I try to you use. You can't process your sugar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not poking. Yeah. 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 I just, I don't know. And again, people are entitled to their opinions. Yeah. I get it. Um, you know, but my hope is that, you know, we shared our story. We weren't really sure how it would be taken in our community. We had a really hard time at first like when Alyssa was actively using um because my husband taught basketball you know he like we're involved and then you know I and people say oh how's Alyssa and I'd be I'd have to literally think about is this person genuinely concerned or are they just trying to perpetuate gossip about my kid um and then after she died I'm like you know what I really don't care and I don't think she would care and I I'm I, she was a beautiful human being, you know, who had a really terrible disease. So um, what, I'm sorry, you probably, oh. sorry. <laughs> that's all right. Jim does it all the time. Yeah. Um, so, so when did you start the foundation? So we started the foundation in 2014. 14. Yep. Okay. And, and then the center, center opened, opened in May of 2015. So oh. yeah. And we just keep expanding and growing and, you know, we, we hope to be that safe place for people where they can go and not feel judged um you know part of part of the way a peer recovery center works is that the peers or the community members that go there make the decisions on what happens now are you training um what was the thing that you went to oh, the recovery for? Coach? yeah are yeah. you training people to do that the volunteers or whatever or is that so yes, and kind no. of. Yeah. So not officially, not officially official. <laughs> well, the state wants everybody who is employed at the peer recovery center to have gone through the recovery Some coach of, academy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I am a certified addiction recovery coach. It's called a CARC. Um, I just <laughs> finished school to become a uh, certified alcohol and drug counselor. I probably, for the most part, like. in in my position that I have my paid position, use it somewhat, but more from coming from an understanding, trying to educate people, help families and that type of a thing. Um, I do do some counseling. Um, Well, you have, I mean, I think for for a family going through that, you're a perfect person to talk to them. Yeah. I mean, you know, I always, I'm, I'm very, we, we just actually got a grant through the Reliant Foundation Gamma did to do family recovery coaching, which is going to be really cool. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. we're going to be, uh, Maureen Cavanaugh. She actually wrote a a book about her daughter. Um, if you loved me and you know, her daughter's in sustained recovery right now, and she's actually developing the curriculum and we're going to be, you know, piloting it with this, this money, which is really exciting because I think family members get forgotten in this whole process, oh, right? Absolutely. Yep, yep. You know, it's, you can get the focus is on the person yeah, that's sick yeah. and yep. not necessarily the people around them. Yeah. And yeah. it's, you know, it's a family disease. 
you know, everybody's affected by it. There's no two ways about that. So we're really excited about that. We're excited about the fact that we'll be able to offer more things at the center. It'll be open every day during the day. Um, actually be open Monday through Saturday. Um, there'll be meetings, hopefully like people can go and get some job prep, help get help sealing their quarries for jobs. Like, there's a lot that'll that will go on now that we actually have money to do <laughs> it. So yeah, we're excited about that. <laughs> and you, we're gonna continue with the foundation just, you know, doing our fundraising. Um Jim mm. um and Dave did a Super Bowl for us, which was fantastic for a couple of years. All that money goes right back. None of us have you know, we we don't get paid to do this. No, so no. we give it all back um to the community. We do events. Um we try and do a lot, you know, we and try and include other people who've lost, you know, their loved ones as well. Um, because we know how important that is for me being heavily involved really worked for me. Um, everybody's different though. You know, some people don't want anything to do with it and that's okay too. You know, um, and I always tell people do what works for you. You know, you have to live with yourself at the end of the day, whether you have somebody in active addiction and you don't want to say home's not an option, that's up to you. Um, Absolutely. You know, you have to do what you can live with at the end of the day. And yeah, so. All right. It's time for (laughs) (laughs) self-promotion. So how do people get a hold of the center? How do they get out of it? Do they walk in the front door and say, I need help? More importantly, can people donate to the foundation? That as well, yeah. (laughs) Yes, um, to both. (laughs) Send me money. So February 1st, so we'll be expanding. Right now we're at 297 Central Street in Gardner, but we'll be expanding to take over the whole storefront. So we'll have a grand reopening and all that. Um, Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, So we'll have that, I believe, like around the beginning of February, we'll do that. They can go online. Um, We're on Facebook, like Alyssa's Place Peer Recovery and Resource Center. We have a website. It's, I believe, www.alyssasplace.org. The foundation is www.aedfoundationinc.org. And yeah, like... Um, and now are you a 501c3? We are. Oh, there you yes. go, people. Tax we deductible. Are. Yeah. Give her some money. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you know, the the uh, my employer, Gamma, I mean, we do so, they do so much in the community. You know, they have a, um, a residential program for men um, called Pathway House. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah and they good. have like, we have supportive housing situations. And above Alyssa's place, actually, there's 12 studio apartments for people that are in recovery. And you wouldn't even know that, right? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't know that unless you knew that. Yeah. So that's a huge thing with, um, with Gamma too, is being in the community, but people not knowing they're in the community because they blend in with everybody <laughs> else. So, yeah. So it's really is great. You know, part of my job with them is, is, is I'm the director of community engagement. So I give tours. We have a therapeutic farm in Athol. If you ever want to go to a farm and check out alpacas and very adorable goats and miniature donkeys. Yeah. It's, it's pretty awesome. Um, I don't know anyone that's depressed on a farm. Right. Right. And they have a dog who lives in the house. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's a great program. Um, but yeah, we do, between the two organizations, we do a lot. And I, I feel really blessed to be employed by them um, because it really is a mission that I align myself with, you know, to help people. So, um, yeah. Well, thank you for coming in oh, and telling your story. Me. Yeah. Um, I was 
scared before. Now I'm scared shitless now. So, oh, yeah, no. So I'm just kidding. No, I know. You know, you <laughs> just... It's tough. You yeah, know, you, you raise your kids know. and you just do the best you can and you, you just never know. So scared of the unknown. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to put, uh, we'll put the link to the foundation... Yeah, and Alyssa's place. Uh, Everything on the website. On the website when we post the episode, and again, you know, please, I, I you know, obviously, I've supported the AD Foundation of the place. It's very important to to my family, and uh, so donate, donate. All right, thanks for listening. Later, later.